This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers the fresh ingredients you need to create home-cooked meals. Get your first two meals for free at blueapron.com slash badchristian. Today's show is also sponsored by Texture. The Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your smartphone or tablet. Get a free trial right now when you go to texture.com slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Okay, can I get a three? Three. Yo, you got <laughs> you got to get into some youth pastor voice, man. Three, <laughs> three, two, two, one. one. <laughs> I feel it. That is awesome. <laughs> See, McDonald, that's how it goes. I told you he could just shift gears. He just sits. Yeah. He just sits right in the pocket. He just goes for it. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. I just we got Matt McDonald in here subbing for Tobin. I just told him he was sitting there and he said, "I told Joey take it away on the on the three two one." And McDonald said, "Can he just do that? Can he just do that by himself with that grumpy face? Can well, he just sit there just... like that and look that way and then go he right looked... into a beat?" I said, "Yeah, watch. He's about to flip." And he flips. <laughs> And we're watching him on Skype here, and Joey's in some hotel room somewhere. I think he's in yeah. Asheville, North Carolina, and it and it just turns into yeah. You know, he looks like a DJ. He looks like Skrillex up on stage <laughs> in front of twenty thousand people, uh, and he flips the switch just like that. And that's how he you handle the depression, I think. He, he goes just, from constipated to animated, quite constipated quickly. to animated. McDonald, were you being second. serious when you asked that? Like you were wondering, like, oh, wait a second, Joey's got to do something different. Well, just, I just know that you do that at the beginning, and I, I saw your face, and I was like, I don't know how he's going to pull this off with this mood. <laughs> right, he's in. this mood. See, this this pervasive mood that that just the thing about it is, even if Joey can manage in it, you, you don't you don't understand what it's like to have to look at some, at the grumpiest possible face, and, <laughs> and to know that the person that you're trying to create uh, art and communication with is dying inside. <laughs> that you know that is, is that even if he can handle it's a little bit of drag on the other he has the power to switch it on though i mean that's but he that's, did switch it on i agree that's part of i hey, mean that's part of just coping right mcdonald watch matt get a little uncomfortable but i am being serious when i logged on to do this recording and i saw matt matt i was overcome with love for you like oh, i was like wow. man i haven't seen matt in a while and it is just so good to see him and i my heart just overflowed with like a feelings towards you I think they call that abundance. Why don't y'all do that shit before we start the podcast? So, okay, so can we get back to it? Is that is that over now? All right. Well, let's start a let's start a classic crime celebration. McDonald, tell us why you are hungover right now and <laughs> why hungover. you could not sleep last night. I uh, I did have three tequilas last night, and the nice kind. My brother left a bottle of nice tequila at my house. So I, I pour some on the rocks and, uh, you know, I tried to kick back a little because we launched our uh, Kickstarter for my band, Classic Crime, yesterday, and we were fully funded in three and a half it's hours. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> so awesome. I mean, it's just like we did. Wait, t- we, tell everybody what fully funded means. How much money is that? Um, th- it was 30,000 for the budget. <laughs> yeah. And like, in like, in like 200 minutes, like just in, in minutes, like I yeah. was watching and the Kickstarter updates in real time. I was just like dying partly with happiness, partly with jealousy. <laughs> so, what hey, jealousy? You guys edu- had a great educate me Indiegogo. It, with that short of amount of time. What, I mean, you, you have to be able to count on two hands or maybe one. What media outlets did you put this out on a Facebook post, a tweet? I mean, what'd you yeah, do? Yeah, so so a couple days before, I mean, this is kind of insider scoop or whatever, but a couple days before, we we put a a link to sign up to like an, a top secret email list, and we had about six hundred people sign up to that. So we sent them an email a couple hours before, and we had the band over at my place where I'm at right now, and we practiced uh, for our tour, and then afterwards, 
we thought, well, let's let's live stream the launch because Facebook is, is getting into this live streaming thing where they're trying to compete with like Periscope and, and other services. And they're really giving feed priority to um, to pages who live stream. So normally, if we were just post a video, we would have to boost it. But we live streamed it, um, the launch, and then that got a lot of views. And then um, and then we just, you know, shared it around. And and I think people just kind of picked up on what was going on. Well, you know, I I think that's crazy with the Facebook live streaming and obviously something I'm way into exploring and checking out right now, but I don't want to move on past what, what you're doing here. And I'm glad to have you on because, first of all, you're, we're filling Toby's gap, but the timing worked out good. We're putting this episode out right <laughs> right today, just as this thing's happening. So as of right now, you've, it's already at 45. What is it at right now? 45, $50,000. It's at 44 44 one and we've got 973 backers and that's we're about uh i don't know we're not we're not 24 hours in yet we still we launched at 2 30 pst yesterday and it's 8 39 a.m right now there's only i mean you know people say a lot that that crowdfunding is oh you know crowdfund like first of all i remember when you did your first crowdfund and it's it's like you're getting renewed. It's like you have an original series on Netflix or Amazon. <laughs> you're getting renewed because you yeah. Know, I remember when you did your first one, which made me really pay attention and get into this whole world was a success. You've been having in being independent. I was like, let's do it, and that's kind of how the whole BC Music thing was born. Anyway, it was based off your success. And so, to me, I remember you saying at the time that people were saying to you, "Well, you did it. You drained all your fans." You, right. you threw up a Kickstarter and you yeah, asked my everybody older, for charity and it worked, older but what brother, are you going to do in the future? My older brother put it this way. He said, you're going back to the well, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Go back to the well. Till, and I was like, till it's dry, I guess. Like, this is the only way we can raise money but, to make the quality of records that we want to make. So. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of groundwater and aquifer down there. It's not going dry. That's not the problem. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's, and, but it, you see a lot of other bands crowd. I've seen a lot of big, notable bands crowdfund in the last year, and it's not gone well. Yeah. You know? And so, so I hear this undercurrent of people saying that crowdfunding is not, yeah, that's old or it's whatever, it had its time or whatever. But it's, I don't know what it is about classic crime, but you just, it's just, the, I don't know if it's magic or it's just your execution. I know it's a combination, of course, but yeah. I mean, we do other crowd funds and all of the stuff we've done from Emory to Devons to Sherwoods, all those things have gone well. But I mean, there's something extra special about classic crimes. I mean, is it, have you just coached your fans up to be tuned into that? Well, we've done two. And I think that's huge. Like we've, we've, uh, We've we've fulfilled two successful campaigns, which means that people uh, know that they're not taking a risk with us. We're going to deliver a product, and hopefully they'll like the product. Uh, so, and they they have in in previous Kickstarter campaigns, and also it's the same service. It's the same. It's just there's a lot of familiarity there. I think so. Mm-hmm. This time it's a lot easier, I think, for people to jump in, and and also people are a little bit older. I think now, you know, we did our first in in. 2011 i think so um and it has to do with the product like when a new harry potter book came out people weren't like well i mean i bought i bought it last time and i already spent money for that no they go right out and i mean so i for a lot of the people that say kickstarter is is gonna die yeah it's probably gonna die for people that are trying that nobody knows and they're trying to just throw it out to like 30 of his or her friends right but it's not gonna die for black crime who already has a bunch of fans that are just keep saying hey give me more oh you're gonna do something else yeah i'll support that one too because i liked supporting it last time i think it's about training your fans in a way and teaching or or cult it's not even training them it's cultivating the type of fans that you want which is very hard work but i mean i would draw some parallel to how in this podcast we had to explain everything at the beginning or it felt like we did at least we had to talk about you know, this or that, or explain why we use this language or this or that kind of thing. And then, and then people on Emory's Facebook page would say, why do you do all that? I just want this music and stuff like that. But all we did was continue to do what we were doing and deliver stuff that was good. And then we ch- exchanged two, you know, kind of complaining fans or people that didn't really share our <laughs> views for 10. Every time we'd put out something, you know, a good post or a good podcast or a good blog, you know, we'd get 10 times more new new people that were of that mindset than than right than the people whatever and so now i rare people ask us y'all get a lot of flack right and i'm like well i know we i know that kind of felt like that at the beginning but no 
<laughs> no, we don't. I don't get any. I don't get almost any resistance. I have to say something right. really obnoxious or catch the right person to get into a Twitter argument these days. It doesn't matter. Well, it's, like yeah, people it's, have stopped. Anybody that hates what we say or thinks we're morally questionable, which thousands and hundreds right. of thousands of people do, they're not listening to episode one eighty seven. I think the, exactly. <laughs> I think the thing about that too is that um, you just being you guys just being real and honest shares shares your reasoning, shares who you are. To a point where people can't really argue with who you are. It's the problem is the expectation. So people have an expectation for who you should be or who you are, and then you come out and you say things, and they go, "That's not that doesn't line up with my my original perspective or or what you need to fall in line with." And that's where you have, um, I think, the contention. But you guys keep continually explaining, you know, this is who we are. This is who we are. Then people can't say, "No, you should be this way." They just have to accept who you are at, at some point, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that and I think. The, the huge thing about when you said bands, uh, big bands having bad Kickstarters, I think they have um, bigger bands specifically have a uh, they think they they have projected a an image of something that they're not. Mm-hmm. So if they're doing a Kickstarter, like a bigger band would say, you know, they have these incredible photos, incredible videos, incredible like look and everything. And they project themselves as the hero. They project themselves as the savior. <laughs> yeah. And then they and then they go into a Kickstarter and they go, hey, guys, we really need your help. And, then, and yeah, all their fans, compute, yeah. all their fans for years have thought you guys are rich, famous. <laughs> everything's great, you know, <laughs> because you've been projecting that we never project. We haven't projected that in years. We've just always just been us. Mm-hmm. And we just we're, we we're in a garage and we will just make records if you if you want them. Right. You know, like, yeah. And I think the honesty behind that is is what people respond to because it's not we're not projecting an image that we 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 actually aren't. We're just so McDonald dudes. in in this day and age and just how you guys are doing the classic crime. Where do you go if you're sitting here right now and you're looking at your Kickstarter and it says one hundred seventy five dollars and then uh, three weeks from now you're at two twenty five. Yeah, you would, say, you, would you quit or what? Yeah, we're not going to make music anymore because nobody wants to hear it. Well, I'll always make music. I mean, I have vocal few too. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think you have to go where the go where the juice is, go where the energy is, and uh, it, you know that's the thing about a Kickstarter is that when you when you get funded so fast and people are just wholeheartedly saying yes, I want this, there's energy there, and that really directly affects um the record i think you know it starts my whole brain starts focusing on the music because i don't want to let people down you know there's pressure now um and that's what the money does and if there was no money there i don't think there would be energy i think i would just i would do it i would do music for out of out of love for it but um but i wouldn't focus nearly as much time on it yeah that's something i've been fascinated with for going on five or six years now is should what does it mean to quit or should you quit kind of yeah. thing and there's two different schools of thought when you said earlier about bands projecting you know rock star status and how right. antithesis that is with hey we're going to work hard to give you this $20 thing or $30 package and we really need the $30 $30 and <laughs> we really do and we count them it's like 42 of these packages so that mindset's so different and what popped to mind is uh Amberlin and how their photo shoots look like they're just Gucci models. Yeah, yeah. And that's not bad. And I, I, I'll have to tell you, honestly, that is kind of what they're like. I mean, Nate Young right. has been the biggest uh, fashion influence on me. Yeah. The only time I ever cared about fashion is when I did a couple of tours with Nate Young. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'll try that. I'll do that. I'll, call my hair I'll buy those boots. And they are just very, like very good him, looking. So. A good looking band and, and really great dudes too. But like, but definitely like fo- focused on, on looking good yeah but the the, but that translates also into to the way and i'm not judging i'm saying way more successful than us they've done the right thing they were huge and they they you know they broke up every way and they broke up in 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 the way that that fits that like they did the whole thing and and to me it seems cheesy in a way but they did the thing where they said we wanted to go out on top we didn't want to run it into the ground and i hear right. that language a lot about people running stuff into the ground or just trying to be has-beens and stuff like that and there was a time when i was thinking that way about right. emory and my career and what should i do because people at some point five or six years ago people were saying if i tell them i was in emory they're like oh yeah i remember that band 
Uh, <laughs> right. Like, uh, or they'd say, oh, you know what's funny is uh, I used to listen to a band called Emory like 10 years ago. They was just, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no, that's, that's the same one. It's me. That's me. Yeah. You know who I am. And so at some point I was thinking, and it was before we started doing this Bad Christian and other stuff, and I was like, well, I'm just a guitar player. I produce some albums and do stuff. And then I thought, well, okay, let's try this other thing. Let's try yeah. something else. And it's been really weird because now the, the, what Emory has and does is a freshness that it just needed to be cultivated. It needed me to get my ass out of rock star mode and into keep communication mode and work yeah. mode. And yeah. now it's crazy. Like the new Emory fans and the larger record sales than our last record on Tooth and Nail. And our crowdfund did really well, although I wouldn't be surprised if yours does even better. And I'm not really jealous. I'm really happy. Um, <laughs> but it's something about like, but you know, it is hard thing to say, when do you stop? Because there's a lot of bands that I think ought to stop. I mean, there's a well, lot of people I, out there I, grinding. I think like, when the goal is upward trajectory, right. when the whole goal is to like, we need to trend upwards and gain more fans and gain more momentum and gain more fame. If that's the goal, when you mm -hmm. start plateauing or even downward trending, you have to quit. Because it's not upward trending anymore. If the only goal, it's a simple equation for me. If the goal is to make music for people who want it, it yeah. does not matter where the trending is with the fan base. It's saying, we have a set fan base now. We're not trying to get any more. And we're just going to supply them for the demand that they require. Yeah, well, I would suggest that it can grow, though. Like, Emory's fan base has even grown. Maybe not to back to what its peak was. But sure. record to record, it's up. Well, yeah. Do you think it's stupid for someone? Because you just said if if the goal is to make music for people that want it, do you think it's just dumb for someone to say, well, I'm an artist. I make music. Uh, my goal is to make music that I like. Is that well, silly? No, that's not. I think that's you should always start there. But that can be yeah. a hobby. That's a great hobby. Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we drop, all of us in our band dropped out of school to practice every day and do yeah. the music and we didn't have any fans to start out we just yeah. were just we thought it was going to be this like when we played music together we looked around the room and we were like oh shit this is amazing we're right. going to be huge we just believed it stupidly we were 19 you know so you have to start with that you have to do it because you love it but at some point down the line you know when you have a family and a wife and kids if totally. I'm looking at my Kickstarter and there's 175 bucks in there and I'm trying to raise 30,000 right. to make a record, I got to make a decision. Was Johnny Cash in the American recordings? Did, did that like I, I don't even know. I listened to it. But did that surpass his original popularity or was that kind of a blip in his 60s and 70s heyday? Y'all know what I'm, I'm talking about? Like when he re... Yeah, uh, rebranded himself as the older dude. His first release, I think, was like in the mid '90s. What yeah. are you saying? That is an example of somebody who just did better later and later in their career. Yeah, I mean, that, it's definitely a parallel for yeah. what we're talking about. I mean, he covered I, like "Hurt" by uh, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, a, a few, like maybe a year before yeah, he it was, died. It was pretty close for you, and died. that was yeah. massive. That was a yeah. huge cover. So well, it I mean, was on MTV. Yeah, interview. that plus the Prince effect, you know, kind of thing. What these days is like when you die, it's it, it's hard to remember what, like, try to think about Prince, what you thought about Prince six weeks ago. It's really yeah. hard. You can't even remember just ha having Prince be an artist. Like, your memory now is, like, the most legendary thing, and it's because of right because of his death or whatever. Johnny Cash is the same way. Like, he was doing something new, and then he died, and then there was a movie. And now you can never separate going back and going, yeah, he was a... He's a, I, a artist kind of thing. Can I, I think we played at Prince's Club in Minneapolis. Yeah, Quest. Was We've it Quest that, Club? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I played upstairs and downstairs. The one time I played downstairs was with Emery and Amber Lynn on that 2006 mm -hmm. Tooth and Nail tour. And that was cool. I, I always just picture him like in that club. Just hanging <laughs> because out. Because he owned it. Um, I, This is funny. <laughs> My uh, mother-in-law is a, a, a Prince fan. She's a lot. She's a pop culture fan. She likes uh, Madonna and... Oh. Everything she likes everything, but she she particularly likes Prince for some uh, unknown reason. But I, <laughs> she's sexy. and she's one of those Facebook crazy people that put that post a lot on Facebook and to you know to five or six likes of some weird you know just nothing like completely useless content <laughs> so the prince thing's been she's posted a few times on prince and i'm like still you're posting with the prince i noticed she'd done it a few times so i went back last night about midnight i was like i'm gonna go back and count so i went back to her feed 
scrolled up and said, how many times has she posted about Prince? Guess how many? 75. 86. <laughs> In the last week. she's That's she's, a fan. I know. She's posted 86 Facebook posts about Prince. I have to say that Prince's death, it seems to be right up there with Michael Jackson's as far as the publicity that it's getting, which is surprising. I know Prince is huge, but I mean, it's been, it's been unbelievable, almost to the point where I was just like, is this it seems bigger than Michael Jackson. Well, dying. kind of, crazy. Because, but you know what's interesting about both of them? I mean, I guess you're making an interesting point. And give me a second here because I was, I've been, I've always said that Michael Jackson's death was special because the timing that it came, and I just realized it's true about Prince in a little bit. But when Michael Jackson's death happened, it was pretty much right when Twitter was universal, and it was wow. the first time I remember thinking that people get stuff from twitter before the news because when michael jackson died people were talking right. about it and all you had to right. do is go to twitter and you're like holy shit there's more information here than on cnn that was that when that happened and yep. it was a big big event and then i think only in the last year or two has facebook really been what it is you know where i'd say from robin williams to prince is when when somebody dies, everybody figured out, oh, I'll pay my tribute this way, and it means something to me. Like, it's a whole nother level than just the information about them, but also the everybody weigh in, every celebrity posting a picture with them, everybody's podcast about them repeat, re repeating, everybody showing, you know, the ticket stub from when they went or sharing a video to say. It's like when somebody dies right. in high school, and then you're uh, – it's like when somebody dies in high school and everybody pretends they were their best friend kind of thing. It's morbid as that is, but that's what it is. And that I think we've just yeah. hit the cusp of that. And then also both of them just being legendary musicians in the way they were. But I'd say, yeah, those are probably parallel deaths and seem, seem like to be some of the biggest, biggest ones for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's definitely, I, I think, I mean, that that's just our natural reaction as human beings to, to appreciate something more when it's like, gone i mean same thing for i think like when a grandparent dies you know it's like after they die that's when you reflect on what you yep. had sure. you know what i'm yep. saying i don't think you're i don't think you're no, saying that's a shallow thing shallow, i think they're shallow people like when prince died i thought okay well let's just see what celebrities get to do the best posts that make them yeah. seem the coolest on this death i mean there is some element to that like you can get yeah, yeah. that's true I, hey, I bought I bought four print songs for the first time because yeah. I was just I mean I was like oh it's man not, I, I listen check I this listen out. to a bunch so of David be, Bowie after I, like I've 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 visited a lot of older stuff that I didn't listen to as a kid but Prince is just one that I hadn't touched and I was like yeah I want to hear some of his hit songs yeah I think so. the, the funny thing about celebrity is the funny thing but it it's not funny it's 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 that people literally are dying every day and in, in every in people's lives but all all we can do yeah. is talk about the one celebrated person who died and yep. like i saw <laughs> i saw like a meme the other day it was like r.i.p everyone who died who wasn't a celebrity so nobody talked about them <laughs> you know? yeah. like yeah. i get i i guess it's a natural reaction to to i guess the value they put in people's lives with their music or whatever but it seems like it seems excessive. None of us knew Prince, you know, it's like we didn't we, there's no void. Yeah. His music's still there and, and, you know, we just can't see him live. Yeah, I remember when the princess's death completely swallowed up Mother Teresa's like they either died on the same day or within like a right. day of each die. other. The Christians, boy, they yeah. were in uproar. <laughs> they were just like, what is wrong with yeah. this world that all we're talking about yeah. is So somebody, I read death. somewhere, somebody said this. I wish I could credit them, but they said nostalgia is uh, is expensive or something. I said that. Huh? <laughs> I said that. You said that. Maybe back well, I was just thinking, I was just thinking like with a 10-year, with, with our 10-year record, I, I said that a lot. Nostalgia ha holds a lot of weight. Yeah. You know, people always re recall the past with more weight than than when they lived it. Yeah. So that's what the point, though. Of, it wasn't you yesterday, even though I'm glad that you said it, too. But it, the point of it was nostalgia is expensive. It costs you. Right. Like it's, it's of value and it costs you. But it also costs you in the sense of you're not moving on. Like it's the difference in moving forward. It's just to go back right. in something is kind of costly to you as an individual to to live in you know completely a nostalgic if the goal is to produce but i mean there's there's times that are there's times that you need to unplug and rest and yep. think and contemplate 
life and stuff like well, that. Well, it's just and, there's something about that's safer and easier than new stuff. It's a lot less energy, but it's costly. You know, of your of you know, it's an interesting concept to think about. What what yeah. is the, the strong phenomenon of, of nostalgia? But point being, if you could possibly find a way for one of the members of Classic Crime to die in the next 29 days. If that <laughs> was, I don't think, I mean, I don't hope it happens, but, you know, it would be a, like, it would be pretty massive. <laughs> like, think if, if Robbie were to, if Robbie were to OD or something tonight, <laughs> working on, on a song and he left a demo half done. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It would I be... Mean, the, the uh, yeah the mystery of de- of of life and death like the finality of it all is is uh, is just an obsession for all humans so when when someone's gone you really reflect on like oh there's no more of that and right that's what yeah, I'm there's saying. a lot it's of scarcity weight. in a... the marketplace is what i'm saying that's yeah. why that you know it's like that's the end of his paintings or his music sure. it's something yeah built but our attention span freaky. lasts as long as the 24-hour news cycle yeah. now so it's not like you know we're really gonna you know like we would we die and then we're and then it's gone i mean that's rinse repeat mm-hmm. you know that's that's social media hey what's what's the difference matt in your mind um with being intrigued about history and then well, nostalgia do you see a difference in like a history buff that yes like you know when i hear 1920s and music a, a I'm real just, meal i would say Really? But really? I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm, See, but I'm, but hey, look, I like junk food as much as any possible person. Trust me. I'm just saying, in a way, I, have, I don't know, man. That's, I'm a total, I'm total opposite there. You're, you're talking about a head and the heart type of thing. The, the conflict there. Nostalgia is an emotion and it can be a powerful emotion. Yeah. And, and Matt's sitting there calling it junk food, but it can be meaningful and it can, it can inspire poetry and songs and art. And uh, and incredible things, you know. Matt's sitting there going with his analytical brain. Oh, you just history. Just that's what that's that's the real food. But I don't know. I think nostalgia has has power and meaning. And and I mean, I wouldn't. My band wouldn't have raised money on Kickstarter without some serious nostalgia. Oh, at, it's a big work. deal for him. We put out the eight bit question songs i mean that's as nostalgia as it gets but i like it i'm i'm for it but there's something uh, you know i i like the people like that and i'm good with it in a general way but i don't it's it's, it's a little bit counter it can be a little bit counterproductive there's a there's a there's a it's a it's a bit bizarre how much how strongly we were into i think we're it's over it's overdone yeah, I feel yeah. Like. like it's not progressive it's not moving on yeah is you're what very progress yeah yeah you are very like present minded what mm-hmm. am i doing right now in the future and where am i going and where yeah. am i going you don't want to think about what just happened no yeah, it's, it's because it's and most of the stuff i say and I've i've almost got this boiled down to Almost everything that I value as a person and in other people and want people to value in me is utility and usefulness. Like if right. I, for me to say something is useless is about the worst. Like if a person is useless, that is <laughs> low. So this is why Matt doesn't care about birthdays. They're useless. Yes, anniversaries. This is why Matt will never go to a monastery <laughs> and take a 40-day vow of silence, get contemplative. <laughs> well, if you can show me the utility and the pragmatic and Who the cares? usefulness of it. And, I, and again, I want to be useful to people. I want to be useful to you guys, and I want to do useful things. I think that right. is the... the is, That's know. so American of you. It's like everything has to serve a a, a a productive function. But sometimes it's it's you gotta unplug. Like, do you ever unplug? Do you ever just sit down and go, I'm not gonna I'm gonna empty my mind and like meditate or just think about something right. else? But you you you're gonna I mean, I'm gonna flip that back around and just say, Yeah, that is a useful thing to do sometimes. Because in the <laughs> same, same it's as like useful sleep, on another sleep level. Is useful. I guess it is useful for productivity. I'm just, I'm just saying the lens that I, I put all those things through is useful. I think prayer is useful. I think sure. I, I do. I think those things are sleep is useful. I think right. unplugging, I think possibly going to yoga or a monastery or whatever those things, they can right. be useful. And they don't have to be, everything doesn't have to be perfectly intentional. But I'm just saying for the quick cheat sheet for Matt is, is this useful to me and other people? Is, is it, it moving on? Is it something? progressive? So yeah. Yeah, I get that. Only a little a bit of nostalgia can't, you know, need apply to there. But that's why it's already freaking my brain out. Just I'm going to do a science segment after we come back from break here. And I love thinking about the future and stuff like that. And right now, thinking about us talking about fa- uh, Facebook 
and Prince and nostalgia and the Kickstarter, and we're on a podcast. Like to me, that's like that's not, that's exciting because this is like, whoa, things are happening, things are changing. That's why I get such a kick out of doing business with you, McDonald. Uh, and I really want to. I think it would be awesome to. For instance, I, you need to write a book about this. We need to make some media to help other people do it because. This is the kind of stuff we're doing all the time. I think that would be a really good idea. That's just an idea. And then yeah. also, um, this even just the concept of the Facebook Live and the live video stuff. Since this is coming out today, I want to talk for a second about the Emory Acoustic Show we're doing. That's This is going to be a big deal, too. We did a dress rehearsal last night. Me and Brett and Reva went down to the place where we're going to do the Emory Acoustic Show. Nice. And, and it's going to be huge. I mean, I just like... I'm not a self-promoter in that way, but I'm excited about the technology and the stuff that we're doing. It's going to be huge. We're going to have multi-cameras. We've got multi-camera, graphic, multi-camera graphic overlays. Awesome. Um, we're going to uh, take tips on there to pay for some of this video equipment. I'll tell you why. Um, and we there's we got lighting. We ha- It's going to be – I don't exactly know where it's going to be posted. We have people sign up. People can register right now still at uh, emoryacoustic.com slash register. You guys but, better practice, man. Yeah, well, Don't I know we got to do a little bit of practice too, <laughs> but we, we, uh, and I think we're going to put it on Facebook and I think the numbers are going to be insane. And I think it's going to be good quality because it's acoustic with Devin and you can really hear it. It really works well. And like you said, Facebook is prioritizing these things big. So I think if right. we get this thing, a real high quality multicam live video on Facebook, that's a amazing, valuable, uh, you useful broadcast to people i think they're going to respond like crazy i think we're going oh, to have absolutely huge numbers and i have a special announcement that you might know what it is joe you don't know and uh the, the rest of the people in our band don't even know so i'm going to make a special announcement at that during that broadcast oh you weren't going to as make an it experiment um but it's i really think it's gonna be huge and here's the thing it's me brett and reva we had about we have about fifteen hundred dollars worth of equipment that i put in a backpack and a duffel bag and we're able to this day and age do a multi-camera shoot in hd with synchronized audio and pro tools and mixing and slides and a video production encoded in real time and go up to the internet we tried it last night it's blowing my mind you're like fox sports at a football game yeah because yeah well i know except for like there's people that come in and do video production at the office that we work at a lot and it's these ten thousand like they'll be shooting a commercial for something and use the space and it's the director of photography and a box truck and a director and the lighting guy and all the rentals and if you just told them hey we want to do a uh a concert we're gonna do a concert here could you guys come film it and stream it live guarantee the bid would be like 10 grand or 20 grand to pay the people to do it and pull it off and guess what? Me and Reva and Brett, I'm paying Brett $150. I offered him 100 Yes, for 150 I said, no problem. So I'm paying Brett 150 <laughs> Reva works for me anyway. And then I'm trying to, you know, save up some camera equipment and buy some stuff. And that's why I'm going to take tips. So if you want to tune in and take some tips, we're going to pick up a camera in Portland that's $900. And, you know, it's just that kind of thing. But we're putting it together on a tiny shoestring. And we're going to be able to do it in good quality and have a global concert where everybody can watch at the same time in Malaysia and the 100 people that'll be in Seattle and, you know, in everywhere, the whole world. I and mean, I don't know why I singled out Malaysia, but I'm Malaysia, somebody from Malaysia. Malaysia. <laughs> they make yeah. some Christy and I will man. be there, I think. It's, it's so. just, I mean, it's exciting. So anyway, that's what I'm pumped up about. But to me, that ain't nostalgia. That's right now. Like, this is Facebook changed the rules last week. And I am, yeah. woo, here we go. So, yeah, here we go. Know, that's That's the way I feel about that. Yeah. I'm into it, man. I love that stuff. And and we, you know, we've been fighting the the algorithm for like five years right. now. Ever since they they did their first IPO, Facebook started choking out the pages. And it makes sense to to choke out a business that has 80, 90, or two hundred thousand likes because a business has a ton of business at that level. Mm-hmm. But a band doesn't. A band just has fans. And yep. and there's not we're not selling a product every day to people. Yeah. And well, so you we just, just don't have a marketing budget though. And so you complained for a while, like you were a big Facebook complainer, but then for a period of time and yeah. I understandably so, but guess who adapted you, you adapted quickly. First of all, you launched a podcast. Don't feed the trolls, which is awesome. I love Thank it. Everybody's you. loving it. You're excelling at multiple things that are new technologies. Then you and Nate figure out how to make these viral videos, the Trump one and this other <laughs> stuff, that actually does the opposite of get throttled from Facebook but gets feed priority. Yeah. And so you adapted to what it is that they want. And you can bet this about Facebook. 
they their goal isn't to hurt people or limit stuff. Their only goal is to get people what they want so that they'll like Facebook more. So in yeah. the long run, you have to bet that yeah. their computers and their genius people know <laughs> what you well, should the, be making. And here you go figuring it out. So someone, you made those viral yeah. videos, and now you've made – you did the live announcement of your Kickstarter. So, again, yeah. all you've done – <laughs> is figure out what people actually like, care about, want, and respond to. And now Facebook is rewarding you. Sometimes it feels like they're just following, you know, Nate and I. Nate's my co-host on Don't Feed the Trolls. I feel like they're just following our our, our profiles and and changing the algorithm to fight whatever we're doing to like well, it's always going to be that way and the, but that's it's what not being i mean it feels like it but like we found some some tricks and then the tricks go away. It's just crazy right. how fast it happens. But uh but re- in reality, um, they said the Facebook al- algorithm is the most like an AI, the most like a, right. a human being, because they really want. So like if someone if you it, like if you keep posting the same content over and over, mm-hmm. which is what we started doing, because we're like, this is working. You know, we grew our our Facebook page from zero likes to twenty five thousand likes in two weeks because we, this yeah. thing was working. We were just posting these videos and people were sharing it. Um, this is for the pod, uh, don't feed the trolls podcast podcast page. But uh but then it stopped working and we were just like, what, what happened? Like suddenly no one saw. And then we were looking at people who shared the videos and no one saw their shares. Yeah. Like they, something, uh, it was just like, and then it started well, to don't be, take become this. Person. Like, I know, right? but it feels personal yeah. when you're fighting it, you know? So, I mean, this streaming thing is awesome. This is, this is something that they're, they're really favoring right now. And I think there'll always be something, some way to like get around uh, the pay portal you know, so yeah, that's what we're trying sure. to do. So I'm glad you brought up AI. So let's take a break here and then we'll come back. And I'm going to talk a little bit about AI. Uh, that was what I wanted to do a science segment on. I didn't tell you about it, but you let you almost led me right into it, which is great. Nice. So we'll, we'll take a quick break and be right back. All right, Matt. Um, I need to tell you something. I learned that I'm a dumbass this week. Oh, wow. well, last finally. week. <laughs> finally. And you know who helped me realize the error of my ways? Who? Our good friends at Blue Apron. So Jess and I have been traveling a lot and out of town. And so um, we. this was so cool about Blue Apron. You're able to put your orders on pause. Like if you're going to be out of town for a while, you have so much flexibility with Blue Apron. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then back in town, Jess actually left and went and helped her mom who had hip replacement surgery. And I forgot to take it off pause. So I got screwed royally. You mean you got screwed because what you had to do was actually the old-fashioned way of figuring out what you want to make? Going to the right. store, buying the ingredients, and then having to figure exactly. out how in the hell to actually put it together and make it worth a crap. Yeah, so here's what ended up happening a lot. I got fast food. I got uh, carry-out pizza, oh, I see. and I felt miserable and actually got sick. I actually, I think I might have gotten food poisoning for about three days while my wife is out of town, and I'm watching three kids by myself. I was so mad at myself laying in my bed sick because I was like, dang it. I could, if I would have just went and did my Blue Apron orders, I would have had the meals sent to me. Yep. I would have had everything able to be prepared very easily, very quickly, and it would have been good food for me and my kids, and I totally blew it because I just didn't do the right thing. And so I felt like such a dumbass, especially because it's so easy. It's, it's not great. like it was really it's hard easy. for me to unpause it. Yep. It's just me being dumb. And so that I realized how important Blue Apron is this last week more than it ever has been. I love being able to have those great meals delivered right to my door. Yeah, they're great. They're healthy. They're, you know, between five and 700 calories each and uh, we just had some last week too we had we had a barbecue salmon with mashed potatoes so good yeah and pear mustarda which i'm not exactly sure what that word is anyway i modify these often just to fit my diet or whatever i'm eating which is ketogenic this time so this salmon that comes i mean it's fish and it gets delivered to you and it is fresh and it is awesome so i grilled up the salmon if there's something that's sugary and i leave it out and make a substitution but that's pretty easy to do when you have the framework there already so it works for almost any diet it's super healthy anyway and uh, i grilled the stuff outside instead of in the pan that's another modification i decided to go for because the weather's good and i couldn't have been happier with eating that salmon it was incredible so you know What's the, give them the details on Blue Apron. Yep, right now you can get your first two meals for free at blueapron.com slash badchristian. That's blueapron.com slash badchristian. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, Toby, since they invented pizza, you know, we responded with binge eating. And then now that they've got Netflix, <laughs> we all binge, you know, series watch. And so right. now here's the new thing. 
with texture, you can start binge reading, which is a step oh. up from binge watching crap and binge eating pizza. So we're, right. we know you're not going to stop the binge. So what we're asking you to do is, you know, do it with reading, do it with something positive. So when it comes to magazines that you know and like, and with texture, you can get all those things in one super convenient place. So they really have solved the problem. Magazines are great, but you can't subscribe to them all. Or can you? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think the neat thing about Texture is it it's basically completely reimagined magazines, and it gives you articles and stories that you really want. That's what I think is so cool about this, all in one place. Plus, there's like interactive features, videos, and even like they give you a recommendation list. I mean, it's really, really cool. And the Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime anywhere using your smartphone or tablet and i'm always on my my phone that's that's just the way i use the internet so it's so cool for me you can breeze through like hundreds of your favorite magazines including old issues like old back issues mm -hmm. and you can pick the articles that interest you the most man and that's what i think is cool yeah they've got great magazines too i mean they really have all the ones yeah. that you love in fact they i just noticed this they have wired magazine which is awesome uh they have so time good. U.S. Weekly, uh, just the real, real magazines that you're used to and wish, always wish you had a subscription to, you can do. There's Martha Stewart's Living, Macworld, uh, every, I mean, there's just all, all recipes. If it doesn't matter if you're into cards or whatever you're into, magazines are great. They're almost a lost art in a way. And now just hop on that toilet, open your texture app and go to town with Heck magazines yeah. with good reading. Oh, totally. And Matt, the best part, Texture is offering our listeners a free trial right now when you go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian. You'll gain immediate entry to all the top magazines, including back issues and bonus video content. So start binge reading like Matt was saying right now for free, free right now when you go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian. I'm going to say it one more time, texture.com forward slash bad Christian. And we're back. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so McDonald mentioned um, earlier AI, and I really was glad he said, said that because that's all related to what I want to talk about in the science segment today. I want to talk about something called the simulation hypothesis. Astrophysics, chemistry, cellular biology, mathematics, Gravitation, electromagnetism, evolution, and now it's time for science lessons for Christians, because when it comes to science, Christians are stupid. Well, so simulation hypothesis uh, is essentially one that says uh, that it's possible or even likely that we could be living in a simulation. And not oh. actual reality, but something maybe like the Matrix or something like that. And there's a and it's a it's a really interesting topic. Is I heard a podcast on it a while back, and then uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson even weighed in on it uh, recently. I saw even after I had planned on wanting to talk about it. Um, but it it's interesting because what it would say is that it this this reality as you know it would be indistinguishable from a simulation if you were part of it. So, now. But I, this is this sort of stuff is super, 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 super intriguing to me. Um, it would this include all of history as we know it yes. was simulation as well? Yes, everything being like, and there's lots of like different Tru versions. Truman of it. Show, as far as it didn't exist, and that's what we believe happened, or the people in the time of of Christ, for instance. So all those things are possibilities. The Truman Show is one one example, and the Truman Show example, for instance, that would only mean that only you, only me is the right. simulation and the other stuff are not actual consciousness. Now, how is but, this related to string theory, though? Because I don't know if it's related to string the theory. The idea but, that there's parallel universes. No, and, it's not that. Okay, so this, okay. Is how, this is how this works. So basically, there's a guy named Nick Bostrom who, who made a paper on it, and it actually works out mathematically, but you have to concede a couple of things at first. So for instance, let's think about when you're dreaming. Have you ever had a dream that was super real and you didn't know you were dreaming? Yes. Certainly, at least in that state. Well, a lucid dream. Yeah. So people yeah. have, well, I think lucid dream means you're aware that you, you are you're in con You're in control. Yeah. You can well, do whatever you want. But, yeah. I mean, have you ever woken up from a dream and thought, oh, my gosh, while I was dreaming, I thought that was reality? Yeah. Right. So it yeah. is possible for your brain to not ha take actual sensory data in in the real world and your brain and you to believe that it is true. Yeah. Okay. So they, that's called the, a brain in a vat. 
uh, analogy, essentially. So it's like if your brain was sitting in a, in a vat and a computer was putting impulses into your physical brain that were telling you sensory data of your five senses, it would be indistinguishable to you. So your brain, theoretically, even in this world, could be sitting in a vat and being fed sensory data, vision, auditory, taste, those kinds yeah. of things. So we could, all, we could all be uploaded. Right. But so, so the, the brain in the vat is just a thought experiment to think sure. about your sensations and your perceptions of reality are only your brain's interpretations of these things. You don't actually have access to reality itself anyway. So think about it this way. Here is what uh, Neil Bastrom says. Did I say his name right? Anyway. So he says you have to conceive one of the three following uh, premises. Number one, that humans will never uh, reach a point where they would be able to uh, simulate reality. So, like, in, if, if the future went far enough, either humans will be extinct or we will eventually reach a point where we could simulate reality. Like, we could we, put artificial, we, like... Yeah, we would upload our... our we could... that. I've heard this... People talk about this before. Um, living forever is essentially just uploading all of our, our brains no, into no, th- a... Think about it like the, the video game SimCity. Right. So let, let's we make simulations right now. We simulate cities in the, in a game called SimCity. Now, right. if we got advanced enough and could put in enough computational power and data, we'd eventually be able to simulate our whole ancestry with input conditions and each you know, it would actually be able to run as a simulation just like when they do a computer simulation for a football game in the future. They right. run a simulation. Right. And then they see what the outcome is. Right, so we will at some point be good, be able to compute enough in thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, or somewhere in the universe, there would be a civilization possible, given enough time and computational power, to run simulations of of entire races and history on right. a on a computer. Let's say, is that what God is doing so, on a religious right. level? So either, so here's the <laughs> premise: is either that never happens because you know no civilization ever does that. That's situation A. Situation two, there are civilizations, either human or beyond, that reach that potential but choose not to run any simulations for possibly ethical reasons, let's say. Sure. Or possibility number three, at some point, somebody does get the technology to run simulations, and then they do, which is very likely. If we ever get the technology to run full-on simulations and observe infinite amount of simulations like for instance you could run one where it was this way or that way or jesus was here or hitler never did this or right uh, the gravity's point oh one different like you could run all these simulations that would actually be able to run in real time and you'd be able to observe them so if right. uh, if any civilization ever got the technology to do so we would expect them to run those simulations to try to learn from them as well as for entertainment right yeah okay yeah. so if that ever happens so either a we it never is possible Two, it's possible and nobody does it. Or three, they, it is possible in the future, therefore it will be done. And if it is done, we can only a- estimate that it would be done thousands of times or an infinite amount of times, right? Right. right. Like think of it as the game Minecraft. There's a million people playing it, making simulations. So if we ever got this technology, we'd expect there to be millions if not billions of simulations run of ancestry, human history, people. And if that's the case... And that seems to be the most likely case. Uh, then you'd be pretty arrogant to think that you were not one of them. So now, what we're what I'm saying is, there's billions of human civilizations just like this one, and you're arrogant enough to sit here right now and tell me you're the only real one. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's I am God, if it's ever possible, then simulations will be run widely. This could be one based on the dream brain in a vat thing, and thus, of course, you could never actually anticipate that you were the actually only one reality i'm still gonna live my life because i want to be the anomaly that the scientists studying me uh uh have to examine further i'm gonna live my life in a in a in a way that's counter to everyone else's simulation mm-hmm. well that's <laughs> just part of the you were just programmed that way my friend it's just no part of was, the thing. no you I'm, don't have any autonomy in this situation then i have to go against myself but you wouldn't know it any different so, Matt, if I was a simulation, you guys, you two don't exist. No, no, we're simulations too. We're all, what I'm saying is all of human interactions is able in far enough in the future to be fully simulated. But, Matt, a, a, true our, simula- a, true, a true simulation has to allow me um, variability and choice and, and stuff like that. Oh, like, at least I the can, illusion of that. 
or the illusion of it. Well, I'm just saying it's not it's not a true simulation of reality if I'm programmed to to do. I mean, obviously there's DNA, there's genetics, but like if I can't do something different than Look, what okay, my well, program the, the, is, that's other, not a true simulation. No, but it doesn't matter if it, what you call a true simulation is the, the the point would be if there's no such thing as a human soul that is granted by God that gives you consciousness. Like if consciousness theoretically can arise out of material brain right. neurons and those things in that case consciousness itself and your awareness could be simulated and so could everybody else's that's the, that's as far as it, you have to take it for it to be valid but that's uh, you know very uh that's widely held a materialist point of view that that a lot of people believe is that even our consciousness in this life arises out of our biology yeah and if, if so it's fully simulatable unlimited if we had the technology to do so, it doesn't well, have you, to be physical. It just has to be perceptual. To create a model for something, you have to have a computer that is bigger than that model. So, like, sure. like Science Mike says, to create a model for the universe, so you could run tests on our universe and the laws of it, you'd have to have mm-hmm. something bigger than the universe to right. do it. But it, does, you know, it wouldn't the require does. the whole universe to be there. Just your our perceptions of the universe. So, like in a video game, like there's places you can't go. Right. So it's not actually infinite, but you can go everywhere you can go. So it's you wouldn't see the difference. Like, for instance, yeah. if you perceive uh, it's 100 billion light years to a, a distant galaxy, that doesn't mean it has to be that far away. It You're just means that the there. input yeah. data to us on Earth needs to feel like and look like yeah. it's 100 billion light years away. Right. Because they're controlling the input data. Additionally, if you ever crack the code, they could just wipe your hard drive and reprogram. If somebody <laughs> figured out, that's the problem they- where it leaves science and becomes, you know, in pseudoscience is because. Uh, although mathematically, it seems to work out. Like mathematically speaking, it seems to be the logical case. However, in science, uh, we use falsifiability, and in no way is this falsifiable because any possible way you could discern it um, could uh, would also be part of the simulation. So there true. really would be no way to ever discover it if it was true. So it kind of actually leaves the, the realm of science. Then you start, so. well, well, then you have to start thinking philosophically. Why do you, why do you need to examine this, or what is the what is the point of theorizing? Yeah. This? Well, the million Even, dollar question know. too is Matt. What do you think? Do you think you're real? Um, I mean, you you don't. It's, it's like everybody believes they have free will. Everybody thinks they're real. Like no matter what, it's real. I'm real, just like in Vanilla Sky. Like Kurt Russell in Vanilla Sky, and he goes, "I'm real." I'm real. Like he he <laughs> believed that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and so yes, of course I believe it. I feel that I have free will. I feel that I'm reality. I feel that this cup is real. I cannot prove that it is. That doesn't mean that it's not, but mathematically speaking, if we believe that it could be done in the future and would be done a lot, the only thing I can leave you with is would be quite arrogant to think that out of all the billions of of these ancestry simulations, this is the one that's actually reality. This is philosophy. Yeah. What is real? I mean, that's the question, right? McDonald, <laughs> you made you you made a interesting statement that I've thought about a lot is just um, the uh, spiritual implications of this with God and races of people and. I mean, think about even like, what if, what if the people that were destined to go to he- to heaven forever and ever, everything else that's going on in the world with other religions was not true, yeah. You know, or Toby even made it even more extreme. What if he was the only person that was reading the Bible and and seeing everything, and he was just like an experiment to God? I mean, yeah. Well, think about it this way: it could be like a video game. So you could take if you want to bring God into it, then. You, you have this ability to say, oh, so God is like somebody playing Grand Theft Auto. Like, he's, he has that ability to run that simulation and do it. Only it's Don't you talk about my so personal Lord that, and Savior. That's right what now. it would mean. So it's not a matter of, like, <laughs> if, you, if you were running simulations and you knew they weren't real, then perhaps you would do some pretty funny thing. You wouldn't actually feel like you were a jerk or a bad person for doing bad stuff into a video game. So it's, it's quite interesting. Now, here's the real freaky part. If this is a simulation and somebody's doing it for a purpose, to watch us, to view us, to learn from us, and we're making choices in the simulation that they're interested to watch. You could even see right. that part of it, right? Like they run the simulation, and now they're interested to see what happens, much like you do in SimCity or, or Grand Theft Auto. Sure. Um, I wonder how they're going to respond to this. Well, they can shut us off at any time. Right. That's terrifying, <laughs> right? They can shut this off anytime they want to, and then— Well, you could have an aneurysm in your shutoff, right? In, in, light, in light of the fact that somebody might be running this and observing us for some entertainment purposes, could that—I mean, maybe we need to focus on really bringing the goods and being entertaining to the, the being. 
Do you know what I mean? If we sit here <laughs> and get dull and boring, they're just going to shut us down. <laughs> and like what we do actually might prolong our simulation that we get well, to be part of. They can hit the reset button anytime they want to. What's neat is when Matt Carter when are your cult meetings? dies, <laughs> it may be because you were just shut off and you'll never know. So yeah, you'll know. Part, you, part of the simulation. I mean, the Matrix captures it all pretty well. Now, this is like scaling up, like if God, yeah, if God is a, a scientist or like us. Then, yeah, I mean, he could know. just be a capricious, arbitrary. I read you know, this. Uh, I read this sci-fi you know, novel and it would, that was wouldn't change really, anything, but you could perceive. I read the sci-fi no- novel called "Calculating God," and two different alien races like visited Earth, and they both had like I- extinctions at the same you know, times, and so so they they both believed in God, and God was this um, being from another dimension that like crossed over, and they birthed this new God. It's it's really insane, but it's kind of like that. Like God is a being like us, but like you know beyond you know yeah which totally. is a what obviously people do they personify whatever things they don't understand yeah so but you know it's it's interesting though but i do for the record think it falls into pseudoscience to a degree fun thought experiment really is all all it is uh, because again it's not provable testable falsifiable which is a, a core premise so i'm not out in the kook land but neil degrasse tyson actually said he thought it mathematically likely that this is a simulation I don't know if he was just making a, a point, but it it really is. I mean, mathematically, given the things we seem to know, that seems to be possibly the most. You've likely mentioned thing. two uh, astrophysicists or scientists named Neil. If you have a no, son, no, are you Nick name Bastrom him Neil? and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, but I thought it was Neil. N, the letter N. Yes, yeah, the I might have said Neil Bastrom, but the so N Matt, if if that is true, how like like what are the, what's the likelihood of the real existence being similar or dissimilar to what we're experiencing? Uh, no, no, no idea. This could is be philosophy, alien race gentlemen. Simulating what is a, real? Yeah, it is real because this is who we are. Well, so it's yeah, that'd real. be based in our consciousness, or uh, I think, therefore, I am. That's that. That's yeah. the, what that you know. That's Kurt what Russell that's saying. I'm means. real. Yeah, I'm yeah. real. Well, people would say that's what you would say about consciousness. I think, therefore, I am. So if I can have this thought, then I know that me having this thought, whatever me is, I can't say if it's computers, binary, matter, atoms. I don't know what that is. But if I can have this thought, then I know that I am me and I am thinking this. And that is consciousness is, yeah, being aware of being aware. Right. So, you know, interesting stuff. But I tell you what, enough of that. Uh, McDonald, you've done a really good job uh, so far on the show. I'd like to keep it going a little bit longer, but only if the only thing we normally do now is we do the news. And so I didn't prepare any news. Joey, did you prepare any news? No, that's not my job. So I suppose we could end the podcast right here. Would that be the thing to do? You know, I, I this that's what I normally want to do when Toby's about to do the okay. news. But uh, McDonald, is there anything on the tip of the your mind that you want to share? I, I would just die to hear something. Yeah, I'd love you know, to hear some news. You know, I'm thinking that I'm thinking the damn news is bigger than than any host. You know, I think the damn news is bigger than Toby Morrell. Whoa, uh, I think totally the damn news has to continue. Whoa! Regardless of who's delivering it, so oh, I'm going to do yeah. my best. Is this to bring it? So you're going to bring the truth? I'm going to bring some truth. Uh, I don't know. I, I got a couple stories here. Um, one is. Uh, well, wait on, a second. We got to kick there's the a music. Way, man. There's a way we do this. I'm going to. Oh, right, I'm going to hit right. the music, and then you're going to say <sighs> a statement that begins with "in a world." Okay. All right. Here okay. We go. That's how this has to go. Let's do it, and we'll we'll see what you. Got. Okay. Music. In a world where everything is simulated, where (laughs) (laughs) keep going, you got it. (laughs) Where people are apparently robbing a pet store to pay a prostitute. That's right. This is a uh, this is a news story. Um, Man's wife. No, no. You say I'm Matt McDonald. This is a damn news. I'm started over. All right, music again. Rolling. In a world where reality is simulated, where Toby does not exist, I'm Matt McDonald, and this is the damn news. There you go. Now <laughs> feel, that feels good. <laughs> I am ready to go. Man robs wife's pet store, gives monkey to prostitute. Uh, I, I just wanted to, to read this story because I, I feel like it's right in the same vein as the, the news stories that that Toby breaks wide open. It's perverted. It's obscene. It's completely That's arbitrary. That's right up Toby's alley. 
Um, bush babies are adorable primates that were temporarily used as tender in a an agreement with an organ sex worker. Oh my gosh! So uh, where did you find this story? Did you get uh, the source? It's on the Daily Beast, man. Okay, the Daily Beast. Fair enough. Um, so, <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> so people. Uh, people were all up in arms. Uh, in the state of Oregon, it's prohibited to possess an exotic animal without a license issued by the state Department of Agriculture, police said in the statement. So the woman, the prostitute who received the animal in as payment, um, gave gave it back. <laughs> she was very cooperative. <laughs> Weird. Uh, yeah, so like, uh, what does this mean for, for our simulation of reality? I don't know, but this is good, man. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Back him up, Joe. You weigh in on it. Uh, I'm speechless right now. Come I on. guess I would have to say. I want to hear more re- information. Yeah, let me just re-explain it to you. Um, when pet store owner Abby McLean discovered Girl Scout cookie money, a laptop, and an exotic bush baby monkey named Gooey went missing from her Oregon shop, she assumed a thief had broken in and stolen the goods. But the truth, authorities say, was worse. According to police, McLean's husband, Nathan, that's an end name, used the stolen money to fund a session with a sex worker mm-hmm. and offered the woman the exotic animal as a tip. Wow. Gee. <laughs> I, I mean, what? I don't know how. I mean, all the tip stuff is 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 bad all the way around. This is an example of it. I never thought about it with prostitutes before. Um, good credit to me for that, but I don't like ta- the tips as they pertain to like the uh, the more intimate the thing is. And I would notice this with tattoos: the tips go way, way, way up. So, like massage and tattoos, for instance, the tip percentages and dollar amounts can just be insane, yeah. and it, and it drives me crazy. At you know, on the whole, so, so I, would, I would only imagine a, that prostitution yeah. is even even more like it's a bush baby. It's. Well, I'm just saying that that's what I'm saying. The guy was like, oh, crap, I don't have any more money. But I've, I've just, he felt so socially, even though he's with the prostitute, he feels socially awkward enough. He's like, I've got to like tip here. Well, the bush baby wants to come up with the bush baby because that social pressure is the right huge. thing to do. Plus, you, the, plus you imagine the prostitutes are, are, they're hustlers naturally anyway. So imagine they're like, you know, they really put on for a tip. Bush babies sell for approximately $3,000 for most online breeders. No way. That's a hell of a tip. That's a hell of a tip indeed. <laughs> so are I they wanna, divorced? I have one other news story, um, but I don't know if it's any good. Uh, it's just something that was interesting to me. It's from uh, rockfeed.net. Facebook is exploring a new feature that could make bands a lot more money. Nice. This is uh, this is valuable information for me and you, Matt. Um, basically, they're going to do away with third-party ticketing um so rather than leaving Facebook and visiting a third-party website, entering all your information again and paying a high service fee, you could sell your tickets directly through Facebook. Oh, I've heard about a higher yeah. profit. So ban- for bands who are active on Facebook, like Emery and the Classic Crime, could be very profitable. Mm-hmm. Also, they're going to do like a tipping thing too. Oh. A virtual tip jar for fans. They were talking about a ticket selling feature and a virtual tip jar for fans to support mm-hmm. the artists they love in exchange for the content. Well, they well as much as I talk shit about tips, I, I you know, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to have to reverse course here. I think it's good to tip bands. I think Just you cash, need to. Bush babies. I, I, in, the, in fact, in the same episode here, I already talked about how I want people to tip to help us get some video equipment when we make our global live stream <laughs> this weekend. And I, I do understand that the BC Club at, is basically designed to get people to choose to pay what they want, which is, I'm going to argue, not exactly tipping. And tipping is probably not the word I should use. But uh, good for <laughs> Facebook because anything that uh, puts the power in the hands of creators is the future. That's the way it's going to go. Um, le- people that own bands and intellectual property and brands are going to be the powerful people, and that's a good thing for all of society. So when when the tech companies empower people like us to do stuff then we need booking agents less and that's well, a great thing we need managers I mean, it, less and that's a yeah, good thing anytime we can subvert the monopoly of Ticketmaster or Absolutely. live nation or aeg live or whatever it is we're going to and we do that already on the road we book our own rooms mm-hmm. you know we sell our own tickets we kind of do our own vip sets we get around it somehow mm-hmm. but um yeah, the idea that Facebook will will create like a call to action button that says buy tickets and it goes straight to us. That's, that's great. 
Awesome. I mean, I because mean, we do, hey, we do all our be... ticketing for our Emory Acoustic stuff right now ourselves, and we're able to sell out the whole Emory Acoustic shows by ourselves with some third party website. Oh, we just use our Shopify store, really, but then we go promote it on Facebook. But I'd right. be I'd be quite inclined to this. So I'm good to hear that. But the message is technology empowering actual creators to yep. interact with the people that want their creation. Uh, and I don't care if that's a tech company, Uber. Whatever it is, it's the it's the cutting out of people and directly, you know, all the middlemen things are are going away, and yeah. it doesn't matter what you make or create that's a value and utility to other people. It's going to get easier and easier for you to take an idea, add value to other people, and accomplish it yourself. And that's right. that's what the future is all about. At least that's the way it looks right now. So I'm excited. Hey, is about it, it is it possible for Facebook to basically own the internet? Like, <laughs> like, in, instead of getting on the internet, you're getting on Facebook and everything, every, every website. It, I mean, c- could they take over if they wanted to? Could they, they, they could that be out? the largest thing. But think about it this way, Joey. This is the way that most big companies that, that are trying to dominate, this is the way they think of it. Everybody's always competed for the last 30 years or 20 years, whatever the internet's been around. The whole competition's always been who can be everybody's on-ramp. To the internet, so the internet right. wants to have all this stuff, but Google or Facebook or even Yahoo or even uh, whatever AOL was this, every, uh, CompuServe, all the way back. It everybody's search, always wanted yeah. to be you come on through my thing into my portal, and then you find all your experiences through me. And that's what Facebook is doing right now. They're saying right. I will give you your people get their news from Facebook. That's not how it started. Yeah, people go to Google to find anything. You Google this, like those those things are very powerful, and it means that you access all these things because Google and Facebook want other people to create the content. They just want to be your on ramp to find it. That's the right. That's the goal. Yeah, there's all these there's all these like legal precedents happening now, and freedom of information and stuff like that, where they're the companies are trying to what was it Xfinity made a deal with Verizon Mm -hmm. to get like better data yeah. for there. So like basically the internet was being, is, is starting to be funneled and controlled through these big corporations. So it's, there's a lot, like if you look into it, it it's, it's kind of scary because it's been this free sort of wild west thing, but I think we're kind of moving towards uh more limited. Yeah. Like Facebook owning the internet, like Joey said, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Google, you know, those, in those, companies well we got to keep it free we got to keep it open we got to keep the competition up and that will benefit us all but thank you for the news mcdonald that's great hey well let's 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 try as bad christian the three of us are part of this let's try to compete with facebook like i don't know where (laughs) we begin but let's try (laughs) badchristian.com the portal the portal the social (laughs) network service called the portal All right. Well, I don't know if we have any big cracks without Toby to make a joke or whatever, but I'll just I want to end by telling everybody again, I think that served its purpose. But please uh, go check out that classic crime. Be on the input side of that. Be on the be part of the the first wave. Be a first wave over there. Yeah, definitely. If you're, not lis- you're on the front if- page of Kickstarter today. Crazy. Yeah. If you're not but- listening to Don't Feed the Trolls, you're missing out as well. But McDonald, oh. thank you for doing all the stuff you do Thanks. with us. I really appreciate it. I love working with you and, and doing the stuff that we do together. Um, check out the Emory Acoustic Show. Everybody join us on Saturday night, the 30th. We'll be live in Seattle at about 7, 7.30 Pacific Coast. Uh, Emory, EmoryAcoustic.com. You can pre-register, watch it over there, leave us a tip, comment, whatever. Uh, it's going to be fun. All right. Sweet. You guys have a good one. We're out. Thanks. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.